she she talks about being an entrepreneur is is not just about the successes but the failures and where do you go when you are faced with that failure and and how do you adapt and change and so that was really important to me because I think a lot of people and especially women we get this imposter syndrome where we look at other women we see their highlight reel we're like oh my god she's so amazing but I this didn't happen for me and I failed at that or this didn't quite work out or I don't have money and it's like well we're all the same you know we're all we all experience these failures and setbacks and we should be more open and vulnerable when it comes to sharing those because that's what really truly connects us I think hello and welcome back this is Exeter Real I am Tracy Duke and this is where leaders create leaders in season three of the podcast recorded via zoom during the COVID-19 pandemic we're exploring the psychology behind extreme challenge and asking the question, are we all truly capable of achieving extraordinary feats? And most importantly, how do we do it? My guest today is Asha Dyer, the founder of Girl Talk HQ, an online community which aims to inspire and empower young women with positive, original and shared content. TEDx speaker and the author of Today's Wonder Woman, published earlier this year in March 2020, Asha was born here in the UK, raised in Australia, and now lives in Los Angeles, California with her husband and young family. Asha has spent the last 16 years creating, producing, and hosting content for networks such as MTV, MSN, Disney, ABC, Nickelodeon, Fox, Nine Network Australia, and more passionate about empowering women and young girls to raise their voice and share their story with the world. She's been featured on platforms across Southern California, including NBC California Live and KTLL 5. Through the power and reach of social media, Asha and I connected initially on LinkedIn. My recent guest, Sarah Moshman, is featured in her new book, Today's Wonder Woman, and in support of her friend, Asha had commented on my post. We then connected through a powerful common ground of supporting and empowering young women, our daughters, sisters, friends, and mothers, ordinary women doing extraordinary things. Asha, I am absolutely honored to welcome you to the podcast from your home in LA today. Please accept a huge warm welcome and a thank you for taking the time out to talk with me. Thank you so much, Tracy. I'm really honored to be here. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, before we jump into conversation though, I have to ask you as I ask all my guests, how are you doing through this very crazy, bizarre time? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a standard question for everyone these days. Yes. <laughs> okay, you know, it's, I take it a day at a time. I have two young kids, so every day can be completely different. Some days they're just great and easy to deal with, nap on time, eat properly. Other days it's just throw everything out the window and it's chaos. So. <laughs> My husband and I, we're, I mean, we are very stressed out. We're, we both work freelance and we're trying to, you know, get in our work as much as possible around yeah. the kids' schedule. So we're, you know, and we're very lucky. We have a great place we live. Um, you know, we have everything we need here. So we're, I'm very thankful for, you know, what yeah. we have. But it, it's, it's tough. We take it a day at a time. Yeah, I get that. But I think you've just hit the nail on the head there. It's just about finding those little things to be thankful and grateful for at the moment and yeah. then using that to spur us on yeah I, I try to do this practice of like daily waking up and going to sleep thinking okay what are five things I can be grateful for sometimes I forget but I find that it just sets my mood 
you know, last thing at nine and first thing in the morning. So I, I'm trying to do that. I find it's a good practice. Oh, it, it is said so powerful because it's actually exactly what I do. And I always think that the mindset you fall asleep with is the one you wake up with. Yeah. Powerful. So tell me then what's other than the children? Um, you know, you're a, you know, mom, so you have a baby, a three, th she's three months old. Is that right? She's nine months old. Nine and months old. And I've got an almost three year and old. Almost three year old. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> so, well, you've got your hands full for a start, yes. but other than those two and family life, where's your focus been the last few months? Um, yeah, I mean, it mostly has been on the kids. Um, but other than that, it's been on how do I make time for myself? I mean, I've got a few different projects. There's the book that I'm promoting and doing as much as I can with this, you know, totally changed world. Um, I'm working on a couple of documentary projects and I've also got the blog, Girl Talk HQ. So for me, it's like, how do I find time for myself to de-stress and to focus on work other than family related stuff? Um, and it's hard, but it's, you know, I have to, I wake up every day with a, making a conscious effort to know that for me to stay sane, I have to make that time. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm working on I guess quote unquote you know finding yeah. that time and once I find the time it's almost like okay what do I do and then you know <laughs> someone cries someone wakes up and like oh it's gone <laughs> nearly I was so close almost had it <laughs> yeah. so close <laughs> so Asha the book let's talk about this book that you launched last March so it's today's Wonder Woman and it's a collection yeah. of stories celebrating those remarkable women out there. And as you yourself said, they're not celebrities, but they're women we need to know about. So you launched this in March, obviously yep. then COVID hit. So your plans yeah. for the year just went out the window yep. um, as it did for, for most of us in one way or another, um, and then had to put everything on hold. So you moved it all to digital. So let's just jump into that book and, yeah. uh, you know, talk about the backstory to it and how it came about because it's getting a lot of attention, I know. Yeah, so the book today's Wonder Women, Everyday Superheroes Who Are Changing the World, which I think really sums it up because, you know, like I told you before, that they're, they're not celebrities, but they're women that I feel really should be talked about more and in the way to inspire other people to know that they also have um, the power within themselves to do something great in the world, in their community. It doesn't even have to be like, oh, let's change the country. It can just be your own community, your own network that you have the power to do something really wonderful in. So the, the book came about through my blog, Girl Talk HQ, which I've been doing for about seven or eight years now. And I do a lot of interviews with um, women and girls. And I do a lot of feature profiles and that's kind of become the, the the focus and the bread and butter of what that site is and all of the women that I focus on maybe a few are kind of well known here and there through different industries but the majority of them are just women you may never have heard about but they're CEOs they're activists they're lawyers they're grandmothers they're just amazing amazing people uh, and so a, a literary agent approached me he must have found me through the interwebs somehow um, in Connecticut, so the complete other side of the country to me, Gosh. he represents a lot of authors that have a niche specialty or expertise. He found me a couple of years ago and he said, have you thought about writing a book? And I, I said, not really. Um, don't really have the time. I only had one child at that point, but um, I was working on a few things. And 
he said, I can help you put a book proposal together. I think there's a really great idea in what you're doing on your blog for a book and to tie it in with a lot of the buzz around the first Wonder Woman film and the second one, which was supposed to come out this year as well, which is now. Uh So he said, you know, you've got these amazing women that you profile. Um, Why don't we put together something like 50 of them or some, you know, interview some new women, put 50 stories together, put it in a collection of essays and profiles and, and make it a book. I said, sure, let's do it. So we put a proposal together. This would have been end of 2018. And um, beginning of 2019, we were ready to go. We thought, okay, let's, let's hit up all these publishers. And so we did. And then within two weeks, we got a deal with um, an amazing organization called Dover Publications. And they've been so wonderful. And my editor, Fiona Hallowell, has just been from the beginning, she's been such a huge champion of this idea, of the stories, what I'm doing. So I knew that she would have, she was the right one to go with. We had a few other um, publishers that were interested, but because of her enthusiasm, I thought, okay, yes, I'm going to go with my gut. So I worked on the book. I, it's funny because when I got the deal the same week, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. No. Um, so it kind of all fell into place at the right time because I thought, this is great. I've got this amazing project I can work on from home, power through morning sickness and then get up, get on my laptop and work from my bed, which was ideal. Um, And, you know, releasing it around, you know, International Women's Day 2020. But then, of course, COVID-19 happened and it just changed my entire strategy and outlook. And so now I'm, you know, in the middle of, rethinking what, how do I market this book? How do I share the message and the stories? Um, and it was a little bit disappointing at first to think, hey, I'm a first time author. I don't have this huge platform like other celebrities. I was relying on, you know, I'd, I'd hired a publicist. I was going to go on different TV shows and we did a few, um, but then everything kind of just stopped. And for, for people who don't know, when you release a book, those first three months are the crucial sure. months because that's when you get onto bestseller lists. That's when you do all your promos, your conferences, your interviews. And then after that, it kind of drops off. So I've been, you know, I was disappointed. I was kind of angry at myself. Should I have done more in the lead up? But then at the same time, it's all it's also like, well, it's out of my hands now. Let's just kind of figure out where do I go from here? Who do I connect with? How do I share the messages? And the great thing is it's not a time sensitive book. It can, these stories are just so evergreen and inspiring no matter what the season or year. So that's where I'm at now. Just trying to find ways to share about these women, the stories and, and, you know, adapt to the changing world. Have you found that actually this the way things have changed have opened up different opportunities to promote something that may potentially be more powerful than how do you have gone down that traditional road? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, being interviewed by you on a podcast based in the UK, that wasn't something I had thought of. So that's great. You know, it's opening myself up to a whole new audience. Mm -hmm. And um, I was scheduled to do some, a couple of big women's conferences here in Los Angeles this year, but they, of course, got cancelled but since promoting my book on LinkedIn I've connected with an amazing woman in um, she's based in Michigan and she does a lot of these really big women empowering women conferences in person but this year she's going virtual for the first time and she found me through someone and connected with me and I'm speaking at her virtual conference so there have been new things that it's just been really great to kind of be all right well this is where I am I can 
I can't just stay in my disappointment in how the book's going. I can just shift my focus a little bit and keep myself open to new opportunities and people who I connect with. So social media has been really great for that. Yeah, for sure. Which is exactly how How we have to think that way. And, you know, I'm certain that once we've, you know, recorded and published this interview, then this will open doors for you as well. I know it's a um, so last year here in the UK, we were celebrating 100 years since women got the vote. That's in right, yeah. Um, and in fact, a, a friend of mine, Alexis Bowater, was behind the campaign to get a statue of the first woman in Parliament erected here in our home county of Devon in Plymouth. And that was a really such a powerful um, mm. project to see unfold so you know I know it's a subject that's uh, you know sort of empowering women it's a subject that's on on a, a lot of our minds at the moment so it's, it's yeah. you know it's a great time and I'm really honored to be helping you or to open as many doors for you as I can thank you so much um, I love stories like that that's such a great campaign Ah, uh, it was it was just I mean I was there I had goosebumps watching it being unveiled it was a good it was a good time so the book itself Asha um, you know how was it sort of from a, a writer's and author point of view how was it pulling those stories together because I know I mean I'm halfway through listening to it on audible now and awesome. you know I have goosebumps listening to some of those stories so for you as the author behind it you know tell me how it all panned out Yeah. So putting the book together was, it was an interesting process. I've never written a book before. And this particularly was a different kind of book because it was, you know, 50 different stories so 50 different women. And, um, you know, some were in, most of them were interviews, some were essays and profiles and a a few were written by guest journalists who wrote it for me. Um, So the, the process, my outlook initially was, I want it to be as diverse as possible. I want different age groups. I want different socioeconomic backgrounds. I want different ethnicities. I want, um, you know, women of all, all different types. Um, Fully inclusive. Yeah, very inclusive. I have trans women. I have disability activists. I have non-binary women. I, you know, non-binary people, sorry. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to, you know, just really kind of, be as inclusive as possible because not just for diversity's sake, but because I want people to read it and go, Oh, I can identify with that story or that message or that person and feel like this is for them. So obviously that, you know, there's only 50 women, so it's not representing all billions and billions of people in the world, but I'm trying to, you know, reach as many people as possible. So I would, you know, the, the, I had a few of the stories kind of already ready to go and they just had to be re-edited and, and um, you know, updated. And then there were, so it was about 50-50. Half of them I did from scratch for the book and others were on the website and, and were updated and edited a bit. Um, so it was a really interesting process. A lot of it was not just the writing, it was also getting... Uh, you know, high resolution photographs and getting clearances for those and getting um, release forms. So all those, you know, admin admin details that go into the writing of a book like this that, you know, the crucial sound, bits. Yeah, <laughs> sounds boring. Get the legal stuff sorted. <laughs> get it all sorted out, you know, cross the cross the T and dot the I's, all yes. of that kind of stuff. So it was a it was a really interesting and challenging process at some at some points, you know, because it wasn't just one or two, it's 50 people that I'm, you know, emailing at all times and fielding different requests and all this kind of stuff. So it was a good exercise for me and 
um, my very organizational brain. So I had spreadsheets galore going on and um, I would open that every morning. Uh, all right, where am I up to? And I would organize the chapters. Um, you know, I as I was doing these interviews, I figured, okay, what are the different themes? How do I want to organize these stories? There's activism, there's entrepreneurship, there's creativity and artistic people. There are uh, women who are really dismantling the status quo and building something new from scratch that is more inclusive and diverse. Um, so yeah, just figuring out the chapters, who was going to go into the chapters, what order it would go in and all of that. It was, it was really cool to kind of see all that come together. And yeah, uh, yeah. So that was my process. Oh, it's cool. So well, when I was talking to Sarah Mushman the other week, and I know you're a really yes. good friend of Sarah, really we were talking mine, about yeah. how she pulls her documentaries together. Um, you know, I guess it's the same process, you know, yours is a book, but hers is a documentary, but she was talking yeah. about having those four pillars. So at those mm. times when she was deciding what to keep in, what to, what to cut, etc., it was, well, what are the four pillars? And yeah. is this aligning with those? Is that the same kind of process that you would go through? Yeah, so I had like a, a vague idea of what the book and the message was about when I started. But then as you start to kind of do these interviews, read the answers from the women, then then it kind of gets more refined and you figure, oh, that's a theme there. Oh, that's great. These these five women go together perfectly. Let's kind of move these around here. So as I went along and and kind of completed up to the 50 stories i figured out okay well these are the main themes these these this is yeah. what's really hitting well and was able to organize it from there so i think you know when you're starting out with something creative like this it's good to have an idea but then also be open to what you read along the way what answers for me because it was interviewed what answers i would get and allowing that to lead my process creatively a little bit as well. Perfect. I mean, it's just so fascinating hearing how you go through it because I mean, now of all times, you know, how many of us are sitting down now and saying, right, now I'm gonna write my book. I've got the time, so I'm gonna yeah. sit down and get it. So it's really interesting to hear, well, how do you actually do it? And what's the process? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, obviously everyone, everyone's writing process is different, but just start somewhere and yeah. you know, go and from just, there. Yeah. So looking back on that process, is there anything that you realized at the end that you wish you had known at the beginning that could possibly mm. have saved you time or stress? Or... Yeah, that's a good question. Um, uh, I don't think there's anything that really huge that stands out, but I work because I'm a very type A, very organization brain type person. Um, so I think I would have gotten all the admin stuff out of the way first like the photos and the release forms and you know, all the admin stuff and then focused on the creative because at some point I was kind of juggling between two so I felt like I had to put on different hats each day and um, that kind of sometimes disrupted my creative flow a little bit so I would do all the admin stuff first and then next time uh, you know or if I was doing it again and then just focus on the interview so then I didn't have okay. to kind of worry, oh, do I have that form from that person or have I asked them Again. about that? You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. So you could have completely engrossed yourself in the, the creative process. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I'm, as I just mentioned, I'm listening to the book now on Audible and there, I mean, there are so many stories now jumping out for me. Looking back on it, is there any story in particular that really resonated with you, that really stuck with you and that you would think of as whenever you think of the book? I know that's a hard question 
because there yeah. will be dozens or oh, many, quite possibly. But is there one that that really resonated with you? Yeah, there definitely are a few that that really kind of resonated with me personally. And I should also mention that unfortunately I had to cut some stories out because I was contracted to a certain word amount. So um, that was also really hard because I, I was yeah. so committed to all of them and I was like, yeah. no, they don't do, they, everyone deserves to be in the book. <laughs> the one that really resonated with me is a woman named Anna Flores. She's based here in Los Angeles and I know her personally. Uh, I met her at a women's networking organization that I was part of a couple of years ago. She's the founder of an organization called We All Grow Latina and they are the largest group of Latina digital influencers in the United States. She built this from the ground up and she's also started a conference called We All Grow Summit, uh, which Forbes calls one of the top 12 summits that every creative in the United States should attend. And it's really huge. And what she did was, um, you know, she's a single mom. She is a Latina herself. She's worked in the digital influencer space for a long time. And she found that a lot of brands and companies were completely ignoring the Latina market and she thought, well, I'm, I'm a Latina. I'm going to create something for my community and also show the business world that, hey, we've got buying power. You know, you should be paying attention to us, especially in the, in the United States. But the, the best thing about her story that, that really struck me was that she put a lot of her own money um, into the summit and she almost went bankrupt and she almost wasn't able to pay people. And this is in her story where she talks about how she doesn't just want to show people the highlight reel. Look, I've got this summit. Look, I've got this organization. We're the largest group of Latinas, um, you know, almost being bankrupt and having to start from scratch and figuring out where do I go if I do go bankrupt. And, you know, that she, she talks about being an entrepreneur is, is not just about the successes, but the failures and where do you go when you are faced with that failure and, and how do you adapt and change. And so that was really important to me because, I think a lot of people, and especially women, we get this imposter syndrome where we look at other women and we see their highlight reel. We're like, oh my God, she's so amazing, but I, this didn't happen for me and I failed at that or this didn't quite work out or I don't have money. And it's like, well, we're all the same. You know, we're all, we all experience these failures and setbacks and we should be more open and vulnerable when it comes to sharing those because that's what really truly connects us, I think, along our way, along our journey of success. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Totally agree. Does, so that I'm guessing is reminding you of a challenging time in your own life. Yeah. I mean, so many times where I've, um, you know, been through different things or tried to get a project off the ground and it hasn't happened the way I'd wanted um, and going through things personally, I, I went through a divorce at the age of 29. I've been married twice. Um, I'm in my second marriage now, but going through a divorce and my career completely changing direction while going through that divorce was, was it, and I was 29 at the time. It was, it was a really big deal for me. I'd moved to America from Australia five years earlier and I didn't have my family here. And all of a sudden I found myself no longer married, no longer with, I was part of a very large church community and, and you know, the, I worked in TV producing and hosting and I felt really lost. I didn't know who I was, what was I doing? What were my ambitions? And 
that completely changed who I, you know, who I was as a person. So that's when I kind of started Girl Talk HQ and figuring out what it was that I was passionate about. And, um, but yeah, I, I really relate to, and one of the reasons I started Girl Talk HQ is because I wanted to relate to more women who felt like they went through a turbulent time and went through difficulties and it completely redefined who they were and they had to start from scratch all over again or they went bankrupt as Anna talks about and you know all these different struggles I find that I want to feel I guess it comes down to I want to feel less alone in the world by knowing that I'm not the only one who's failed or who's um, you know experienced these setbacks so um, yeah hundred percent. How do you keep that belief going, Asha, when you do feel that you're at rock bottom and the realization dawns on you that life as you know it is no longer going to be the same, that you're going to have to make changes and adjustments that you may not have ever anticipated or wanted to do. And you have to dig deep and you've got to find the belief that you can keep going. How how do you do it? How did you personally do it? Was it by surrounding yourself with those positive stories? I think that was definitely a huge part of it. And maybe I didn't even realize how important that was at the time. I just felt some sort of intuitive calling to that idea of connecting with other women and connecting to those stories. Um, but it was part of it is, was me being young and naive and stubborn and I think that is part of what helped me because now as a you know 37 year old mom of two I'm much more anxious and worried about everything like oh is that going to work out back then you know you're carefree you're single you're just like whatever you know and I I just think like man life life can be so much easier when you have less cares to worry about um so it's you know it's being young being drawn to those stories but also having the support of my parents. You know, I, I talked about how I, I left this very large, very, it was, it was a very toxic environment, this church that I was part of. Um, but that was my community. That was my pseudo family away from my real family. And when I left that, because my husband was part of that community as well, I felt like I had no one. But having at least my parents to support me all the way in Australia while I was here that really helped me know that, okay, well, at least two people are there to support me. I'm not completely alone. You know, sometimes it just takes just the words of encouragement of even one person to go, you can do this, keep going. You're, you're on the right path. You know, you don't have all the answers figured out, but just keep going. And that helped me a lot because I was in a very fearful state at that point, you know, worrying about who do I talk to in case this gets back to my ex-husband or if I kind of be vulnerable about what I'm going through, people are going to look down upon me and and somehow see me as less than because I am going through a divorce or I don't know what I'm doing with my career. Um, So yeah, that, that support is, can be so crucial, you know, even just a few words of encouragement can go a long way. Oh, so unbelievably powerful. And I think sometimes if we're, if we're the person giving the encouragement or instilling that kind of that belief in someone, sometimes we don't realize the ripple effect of our words. Um, But I think is that understanding never ever underestimate the power of kindness and encouraging someone because it's huge. And 
you know, we, the world needs more kindness right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I, actually, I just got a message the other day on Instagram. I did an interview on this podcast um, called Straight White American Jesus. And it's um, the guy who hosts it. He's really great. He's yeah. an academic and he talks to people who have left um, the church community and gone through a whole um, deconstruction process and how they find their community again and you know how they dealt with the difficulties that they came up against so I shared my story of going through a divorce being part of this church leaving it and I got a message from this girl who said hey Asha I just heard your interview and I wanted to reach out to you and say thank you so much I recently went through a divorce went through the same thing and you know my ex's family weren't great to me like you talked about I was like oh wow this is however many years later now, um, seven years later. And, you know, that story is, my story is helping someone. And so that, that made me feel really positive that just speaking out can help even one person. Absolutely. Because, you know, I always say this to people, you know, we've personally heard our story a thousand times. Yeah. And sometimes we get to the point where actually our story is starting to feel a bit oh, boring and <laughs> old for us. But yeah. actually it, it just takes that one person to, to hear and for it to ignite that spark of, yeah, you know what? I've got this. I can yeah. do this. And we forget how powerful that is. Um, yeah. We so do. We so do. Okay. So um, I want to ask you, you know, what, what is your biggest takeaway from those times when you've had to dig the deepest, when you were at your lowest? What's the main takeaway from that? Yeah, this, a friend of mine gave me this saying that she heard at a women's conference and it finally put it into words what you're, exactly what you're asking. And it was, um, I've done enough, I've had enough, I am enough, enough is enough. So you, you're capable of more than you seem. Um, you don't have to put up with crap. Um, you are worthy. And, you know, enough is enough. You set the terms. So I think that for me sums up all the things that I've been through. I, I've lived in fear through so many things. And it's like, no, enough is enough. I, I'm not going to live in fear. I am who I am and I'm going to embrace that. And what I have done and what I'm doing is, is worthy, is worthwhile. And I'm going to keep doing that, you know. So I've done enough. I've had enough. I am enough. Enough is enough. Those four, those four things. So I, I really like and the new chapter of my life starts right now. Yes. Okay, let's talk role models then. So I want to ask you, who have been your three personal role models along the way? Because you have had the most incredible career. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But let's talk about those three role models and what they did for you. Yeah, well, the first is... My mom, and I know that's cliched, uh, but when I've thought about this question before, I can't not say my mom because a lot of the, a lot of who I am today, those seeds were planted by my mom and who she is and what she's been through. She was one of the eldest of six children in her family. So she never got to go to college um, when she was younger, like I did straight out of high school. Um, she was born in East Africa. My family are Indian. Um, they migrated to the UK in the 60s and being a, a woman and being one of the eldest, you know, the expectation was that she would work and um, after finishing her school and 
and help out with the family. And, and she did. Then she got married and, and had us three kids in the UK where I was born. Then we moved to Australia when we were young. And once my siblings and I had finished high school and were finishing our college, my mom thought, well, right, well, now it's my turn. I'm going to go to college. So she had a lot of different jobs along the way. She had been a, a bank teller. She'd been a photographer. She'd tried being a journalist at one point and she was a homemaker. But she obviously, or she always had these aspirations in her um, so she ended up doing a master's in education. And so she became a teacher. Oh um, so she didn't just do an undergrad. She did a master's. And I'm like, wow, I, even I haven't done that. I've just got a degree. Wow. <laughs> uh, so she became an ESL teacher, English as a second language teacher, for those who don't know. And she taught for, I can't remember how many years now. She's retired now, but she taught a lot of refugees, asylum seekers and immigrants in a high school. I'm like, who wants to be a high school teacher? I remember what I was like, but she wanted to teach high school and kudos to her and her students just loved her. And she would always come home with cards and well wishes and emails oh. and, and presents. I'm like, man, you must, you're a great teacher. And you know, I think her being an immigrant, you know, traveling around the world, she wanted to give back a lot of the opportunities she was then afforded to these students who were kind of coming to a new world and a new country and and you know growing up she was always very into watching she wasn't into Bollywood movies but she loved Indian movies that were more independent that were around women who had overcome a big struggle or who were fighting back against the system and so I grew up knowing about those stories and that passion on the periphery and now that I think about it I'm like my mom kind of instilled yeah feminist principles and ideas into my head without giving it that label. She, so that's subconsciously. Just so you yeah. subconsciously so carried around. That. Yeah. So that, so her, um, I want to say my friend, Sarah, who, you know, I met her about five or six years ago now, and we've just become really, really close friends. And she's been really inspiring to me because she doesn't wait. She worked in TV for a long time as I have. And Ever since leaving, we both worked in reality TV, actually, as producers. And then we left to kind of do our own thing. But she left and she was like, I want to make films that inspire and empower women, that share women's This is stories. Sarah Moshman. This is Sarah Moshman, yes. yeah. And I know she's shared her story with you as well. But what really struck me was that she's never waited for someone else to give her permission to do what she wants yeah, to do. I loved that. You know, whether it's come to raising money through through Kickstarter campaigns, um, finding investors to fund her documentaries, um, knowing to, to just go and hire the camera equipment and learn how to use it herself, um, find people that she wants to work with and find stories and just, she just goes and does it. And I'm like, oh my God, how do, you, how do you get over that fear? And she's just fearless to me. And so anytime that I've felt like, or I've, you know, divulged to her, like, I really want to do this project, but I just don't know. I don't have the money. She's like, you can do it. You can do this. I'll help you. You can find this community and I'll show you how to fundraise. Oh. And just having her believe in me as a creative person has been so invaluable because there are so many things that fear can be so crippling at times. And yeah. having that one person to speak that yes into your life can be, you know, really, really important. Oh, um, third person. Oh, I'm trying to think, you know, I was, trying, I, was thinking, I was thinking about this question the other day. I might have to come back to the end of this because there are so many women that I 
I have a list of people that just inspire me so much, but um, one of the women on the list, well, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll choose her because there are like 20 women that have inspired me. <laughs> but this one woman who's, who's actually in my book, her name is Sahar Paz, and she is, she lives in um, Texas. She's originally from Iran and she moved to America during the revolution. So her family basically had to flee Iran to, um, you know, escape this regime um, so that her and her siblings could have a better future. And she has a summit and, and she's kind of branded herself around this idea of own your voice. So for her, it was a story of um, escaping Iran through this regime, going through depression, um, through really um, turbulent relationships in her life and finding out who she was through different careers. But one of the things I love about her and the way that I met her was I just started Girl Talk HQ a couple of years ago and she had reached out to me and was like, hi, this is who I am. My name is Sahar. I've got this story. Would you be interested in sharing it on Girl Talk HQ? I would write it as a guest post. And I was like, yeah, this sounds amazing. And then about a year later, we met in person. She came out to Los Angeles and she was like, hey, let's get lunch. Let's catch up. I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And she told me, she was like, you know, you were the person who gave me my big break because I knew I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to share my story. I'd reached out to a bunch of different platforms and I hadn't heard back, but you were the first person who said yes. And that kind of helped me get over my fear and kind of go from there and share my story and write a book and start this summit. I was like, what do you mean I gave you your big break? I'm no one. I haven't done anything, but just the power of her saying that and showing me, okay, what I'm doing is of some value somewhere to someone and I've got to keep going. And she's a really good friend of mine now. And um, I love speaking with her. She's just got so much power in the way that she encourages other people to, you know, rise up and share their own story and own who, who they are, own their story. And so she's uh -huh. been a personal, even though she says, you know, like you gave me my break and you encourage me. I'm like, you're encouraging me by the things that you say and what you're doing. So yeah. I just love that I have someone like her in my, in my network. Oh, I love that. I love that because I think, again, you've just struck on something there is that um, almost imposter syndrome that yes. we have. Now, I know that this is, you know, is, <laughs> I know that this is something that affects us all, men, women, you know, everyone. We all, to some degree, have that sense. Yeah. But do you do you feel that when you're trying to put something out there in the world and you're putting your heart and soul into it, that sometimes possibly you, you do wonder, well, am I making a difference? Because that's what you want to do. I can see clearly, clearly that that's your passion. That's your purpose is to make that difference. But, you know, sometimes we can have that doubt and wonder, well, are we actually doing it? And when somebody steps forward, it's like a thousand people could have stepped forward and said, you know, it doesn't matter, one, ten or a thousand people. It makes such a difference to reaffirming, reassuring, continuing you on, you know, letting you continue on your path. Is, do you find that? Yes. And I actually <laughs> felt a huge amount of imposter syndrome even this morning, you know, just reflecting on, um, well, you know, when I was thinking about getting ready for this interview and thinking about the book and, you know, because of COVID-19 and the way that it kind of completely disrupted the way that I wanted to promote the book, 
you know, I started that negative voice in my head started saying, well, maybe no one wants to hear what you have to say. Why do you, why do you think that people should listen to you? You know, you're no one, you know, that's why you haven't sold as many books as you think. And that's why it's not getting out there the way that you had hoped and blah, blah, blah. And I just think like, oh gosh, these voices are so loud sometimes. Yes. And, um, but, and I, I don't have the answer as to how to completely eradicate them, but it's just in that moment, taking a big deep breath and just trying to, you know, practicing gratitude, like, okay, let's look at what I do have and what I am doing rather than what I don't have yeah. yet, you know, and just taking it day by day because it can be easy to overwhelm ourselves. But yeah, that imposter syndrome is so real, but there are, I've now gotten into this habit of, okay, Asha, let's look back over the past year or even the past couple of years. What are the things that you've been able to tick off on your wish list? And I look back and, I'm, and I go, oh my God, I've been able to tick off everything. I was able to do a TEDx talk. I was able to write a book. I was able to travel, able to do all these things. I'm like, uh, I wanted to have two kids and uh, I did that. You know, and all these things, I'm like, okay, I've accomplished the things that I've, the, especially the big things that I really wanted to accomplish. So let's keep going. Let's not just stop here. You know, obviously we're, you know, the, as long as you stay committed to your journey and your ambitions and your path, although it may change along the way, I feel like you can't fail because, you know, you're relying on yourself and you're staying that path and you're staying committed and you're willing to be vulnerable and put yourself out there. I think failure is only, it only really happens when you choose to give up or to stop altogether. So, you know, yeah. as long as you don't do that, amazing things can happen. Yeah, for sure. There are two things that I want to ask you about. Um, we'll stick with the failure bit for a second because it's a nice um, intro in, into it. But, you know, failure is, is a big thing that I think about a lot. Um, and the idea of, you know, was it a failure? Was it a lesson learned? So I want to ask you, looking back, is there anything that at the time you perceived as being a failure, but now looking back, you can quite clearly see that it was the best lesson and the best gift you could have ever been given? Yeah, that's such a good way to put it. Um, it's the lesson, but also understanding that failure can be subjective and so is success, you know, success by whose definition and failure by whose definition, you know. Um, for me, when I think, oh, I failed because I didn't sell all these books in the first three months of it being released. But then someone might say to me, yeah, but you wrote a book and you got a book deal and you released it. Like, that's a success. And, you know, it's like shifting your way of, shifting your perspective on what is a perceived failure. And then there's the other side of what you said, like, what, what's the lesson you take from that? One of the things was going through that divorce at the age of 29 having to start my career from scratch and figure out who I was. And at the time it was horrible and I don't ever want to go through that again. I, I may, you know, there are some things about that. I still question why did I have to go through that? Couldn't I have learned the lesson in a more positive way? Um, but the answer is no. And, <laughs> but I look back at that now and I think, well, maybe I wouldn't have been interested in connecting with other women on a deeper um, level the way I am today if I hadn't gone through that you know and I, yeah. I I would have just thought life was grand and rosy and you just keep doing your thing and that's it but now I'm interested in the struggle what is the struggle what is your story what have you been through not just the highlights but what are those like deep dark 
yucky moments that you've been through to make you who you are today. And yeah. if I hadn't gone through that for myself, I don't think I would have, you know, gotten to where I am today. Exactly. Well, the empathy wouldn't have been there yeah. for others who have experienced trauma and heartbreak yes. and, uh, you know, tragedy. You, you went through that. I, I'm an absolute firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And, you know, yeah. looking back, it's very easy for us to see the stepping stones and how we got from one to the other. Looking forward, it's a little bit harder. Yes. We can't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we I just wish. have to try. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> but we just need to trust that moving forward, things will unfold in the way they had moving backwards. And, you know, really and truly, was there ever a time that there was, I always believe there's nothing that is thrown at you that you can't handle. Yeah, I think so. You're meant to go through what you're meant to go through. And, you know, as long as you're still alive and breathing, then that's your opportunity to get up and, and be like, all right, what am I going to do today? You know, it's, yeah. it's all, it's all part of your journey and that's what makes us unique and that's what makes us human. Yeah, for sure. So the second thing I was going to ask you back then was the yeah. successes and, you know, kind of the, the looking back on, on your life and, and all of those, um, you know, landmarks that you had achieved. Do you, do you spend the time to celebrate them there and then? <laughs> Because so many of us are guilty or not. We're like, yeah. we chase the goal, we chase the goal, we get there and it's like, okay, what's next? And we yeah. don't really, um, you know, I'm a, a big fan of rugby. Yeah. Um, and I always look, I was, there's so much that you can learn from the game of rugby and what happens on the pitch yeah. to put it into real life. And one of the things about the, the game of rugby and, not, and most sports, to be honest, is celebrating those little successes because mm. those little successes add up to the big thing but we yeah. forget we're all guilty of it. It's like, what's next? So true. I love sport analogies. I'm not a big sport person, although I used to be hugely into uh, football or soccer, as I call it over here. And I used to be a diehard Manchester United fan, but you know, I just, along the way, I just, my interests changed. But anyway, I love yeah. sport analogies. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I don't, the, the short answer is no, I don't take enough time to celebrate it. But the addendum to that is I think because of COVID-19 and this, this world where we're forced to kind of slow down, reevaluate, change and adapt, I've told myself, okay, this is your opportunity to celebrate and enjoy those moments, but also focus on those successes and wins that you had to know that you are capable. I'm talking to myself here, but also, yes. you know, for people listening, you know, for me to say to myself, Asha, you are capable. You did that. Like, hello, you're a badass. And, yeah. you know, just even saying those words to myself, I think, oh my God, someone's listening. They're going to be like, no, you're not. No one is going to tell me, no one, no one needs to be in my head except me. And so I, I should just shut out those, those <laughs> stupid voices that just always want to be <laughs> negative. But yeah, celebrating those moments and I keep a journal I'm very big on journaling when I get the time um and so when I look back on the things that I've written about and what I my hopes and dreams um around what I want to do in life and career I look back through the the pages and I'm just and I just go wow I, I got over that and I figured that out and oh I did get to do that like I had a plan and I, I use the TEDx talk a lot because that was something for me personally that I I really wanted to do and um, I had that on my vision board and 
you know, having done that, I just keep thinking, I shouldn't skip over that. You know, that's a big deal. And I should add it to my title and my resume and all this kind of stuff, because it, it shows that the things that I focus on and I work toward, I am capable of achieving. Sometimes they take longer than you hope, but it doesn't mean that they're out of reach. And um, yeah, so that, that's what I'm trying to tell myself more during COVID-19 and, you know, being at home a lot more. Like, how do I celebrate who I am now along the way to achieving the things that I'm still waiting to do in the future? Because actually, as cheesy as hell as this might sound, it's always the journey. It's yeah, the journey it really of what is. you're doing along the way because you get there yeah. and it's like, oh, if you haven't enjoyed the journey getting there, you get to the goal and then you're stood there thinking, well, oh, oh, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. You think, okay, what's next? What's next? But then if you really do dig and lean into where you are, especially the, the, you know, the uncomfortable moments, really lean into those and figuring out why you're feeling the way you are. And it's okay to feel yucky and uncomfortable. And when you get to that goal eventually, and you will, you, you can be like, Oh, this was, this is all worth it. And I'm here because X, Y, Z. So was yeah. well, that, I should say Z. <laughs> it's not that if you have a story and the story is, and he stepped over the line or, and she got to the top of the mountain. Well, it's like, okay, okay. It's the actual journey. It's the story yeah. of getting, that's the good bit. That's the juice. Yeah. That's where the learning took place. Absolutely. And, I, and um, you know, and I think there's beauty, there's beauty and power in that and it keeps you going as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I wrote this book because I want people to know that success stories are filled with so much more nuance than we think. And, you know, it's, it's important to be inspired by those and, and help it encourage ourselves. So we're going to, to, to move on now to talking, um, we're going to go a little deeper into the personal side of things. Um, and, you know, we've touched on it before, but I want to ask you, in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? Because if there's one thing we know, it's that saying no is a real skill. And, yes. Um, you know, too many of us don't say no enough. Uh, and I think if I were, if there was anything that I have learned through COVID for me personally, it's, it's that it's okay to say no. Um, yeah, I'm still learning that one, but I, I really love being asked that. And I love hearing how other, especially other women, how they say no. I think becoming a mom has also made me realize like I don't have the time to just say yes to anything. One of the things I've really, um, told myself is that I don't have time to volunteer for projects where I'm giving my talent that I've nurtured over decades. I'm not going to do that for free. You know, if it ter in terms of like, would you like to produce this? Yeah. What's your budget? You know, yes. and that's something that Sarah's also really empowered me to ask like, what's the budget? Do you have a budget to pay? You know, don't just give your time free. You spent years cultivating and nurturing that talent and that ambition. Don't just, throw it away. You know, you deserve to be valued for your time and effort. Yeah. Um, and also for my uh, blog. So Girl Talk HQ, I get a lot of requests for, can you feature my client? Can you feature my story? This, I say, I now say no to a lot of things because I know that because it's a, it's getting a lot of attention and we have a lot of readers now. Um, there are people who, you know, who want to share their story or they want to promote something and, 
at first I was like, oh, this is great. This is a reflection on me because people want to be, but now it's like, you don't have to say yes to everything. You don't have to promote everything. You don't have to share everything. Stick to just your focus. And, you know, so that's what I've been doing. Like, what is my focus? So every, every pitch that comes along my desk, I'm like, is this, does this align with my focus? If it doesn't say no, and that's okay. Sometimes people are a little bit persistent in a not great way. Like some people are very unprofessional. And then I think to myself, well, that's a good thing. I said no to that person and yeah. um, valuing my time yes. and knowing that giving away my time and talents for free is not what I should be doing. And knowing that I don't have to share, I don't have to share every single story on Girl Talk HQ. I can choose the ones that, um, you know, I am my own boss. It's, no one owns it except me. So I get to say yes to what I want to say yes to. And so, figure, you know, remembering what my mission is and saying yes to the ones that align with that. Uh, I love that. It reminds me, you know, there's so many similarities between you and Sarah and that sort of thought yeah. process. She's obviously been an amazing influence for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the moving on then um so your book so prior to your book today's wonder woman um what was the book that you gifted the most yeah i love that question actually um well there have been two if i'm allowed to say two um yeah. the first one is americana by chimamanda ngozi adichie the nigerian author um she's done a really famous a, a, couple of really famous TED Talks, one of which was sampled by Beyonce in her music. Um, but Americana, it's a fictional book, but it, it talks about race and America um, and the idea of um, colonialism in such a really profound way through a character that I thought it's, it's a really non-threatening way to help someone learn about race in America, you know, the, the difference between existing as someone in a in in a black person's life as opposed to a white person's life so I really love that book and you know whether you relate to it or not it's just it's just so well done and I also love that the character the main character she writes in the book writes a lot of her feelings through a blog so the, the whole character she mm -hmm. becomes a famous blogger and she talks about race and identity through a blog and and it's a really great story so I, I share that one and um, what I've been sharing lately is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Um, oh, that was a Reese's book club book. Yes. Yeah, it was. And I her, one of her first books that I read was Love Warrior. And she's been a famous blogger and a writer for a long, long time. But her own story is so, oh my God, it's so dynamic. It's so inspirational. She started out as a, she was married to this man and they had three kids and she was a blogger and a Christian influencer, writer type person. And then she just went through a whole transformation of figuring out who she really was. She was an ex addict as well. And, you know, talking about that journey of um, valuing her body and herself and loving herself. Um, she has since divorced her husband and she talks about in, so in Untamed, she talks about, stripping away all the roles and conventions and ideas of what what is placed on people um she has since come out of the closet and she married her wife um <laughs> abby wambach who's a famous soccer player here in america um she is very active on social media and in in person with her organizations in regard to social justice and politics and 
she's kind of stripped away all those ideals of what it means to be a respectable woman and a blogger and you stay in your lane and you're polite and you be a good mom and you do all these things. And at some point she just went, screw it. That's not who I am. This is who I am. You know, I'm a great mother to my kids and I'm going to teach them these values. I love who I love and I am who I am. And I'm not going to apologize for that or hide that anymore. And she's got a wonderful relationship with the father of her kids. They have like one big blended family. And it's so awesome just to see her, you know, coming from a church background like I did too, just to see her be, you know, like, this church or this religion or this belief or this idea doesn't define who I am. And it's not going to destroy who I am if I decide to go against that. So her book untamed, I've, I've recommended to a few people and shared the book physically with someone, a friend of mine um, recently in the last few months. So those are the two books that I, I really, I don't know, they've just really struck a chord in me for different reasons. And I just love that the way that both of these women write and share their authenticity through narrative as well as through, you know, nonfiction essays yeah. and things like that. So yeah, those, those are my picks. Reese, I, I love Reese's book club. Um, I've just finished reading her most recent one, The Guest List by oh, okay. Lucy, but that's an excellent read. But, um, but Untamed, that leads really beautifully on to me asking you about changes and mm. what changes you would like to see in your children's lifetime. Um, not necessarily oh, our but for your children, um, you know, it's, they yeah. are the future. Yeah. Sometimes that's terrifying. <laughs> yes, it is terrifying. Exciting. What changes? So that's a good question. Um, one of the things I love about Glennon's book was when she talks about going through a divorce and she was talking about how her kids were a little bit older, you know, maybe primary school aged when she was, her and her ex-husband were, you know, discussing whether to stay together in her mind. She was, she was saying, you know, I should stay together for the kids, for the kids. And then she goes, then I looked at my two daughters and I thought, would I want them to stay in an unhappy marriage that wasn't serving them and hiding who they are? And she's like, no, for their sake and for my own sake, I'm going to live the best, truest and most beautiful version of my life that I possibly can. And that's going to be the best example for them. And I really love that. So I often think about that when I look at my you know, my baby daughter and my young son. And I think, what, what do I want them to know? What, what would I want to change? For my son, I would love a world where he doesn't feel confined to a very narrow idea of masculinity, which is, yeah. you know, you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to talk about your emotions. Um, you're not allowed to call yourself a feminist or be seen a certain way by other men. I would love that yeah. idea of masculinity to just be really opened up so in, you know, and just be more dynamic and nuanced and inclusive. Yes. You know, I feel like we are edging toward that, but that we still have a long way to go, you know. Again, I would like the journey. Yes, again, definitely the journey. Yeah. And I would love to see more male people out there in the world, especially notable men in the media, in sports, in entertainment, speaking up about this so that as he grows up, he sees those as people to emulate as opposed to, yes. you know, great sports people or celebrity yeah. or people just doing yucky things. And that, yeah. that's something I really hope for him, you know, yeah. for my daughter, I, I want her to know, Oh man, that's such a loaded thing. There's so many things I want her to never. One of the things that I really want her to know is that her worth isn't defined by anyone she gets in a relationship with. That's something I wish I learned earlier. Yes. You know, I, 
I had to figure it out, figure it out along the way. Obviously that's part of the journey, but I would love her to be someone who's like, I don't need to have a boyfriend or have a partner just to be popular or be seen as worthy. I don't need to look a certain way to feel like I fit in, you know, those kind of things that it took me a long time to learn, you know, in terms of the way that I look or the way that I act and what I'm doing in life. I want her to know that. And I, I want her to know that she can always um, come to me. I mean, that's, that's more of like a personal thing. Like I want, I want to be the first port of call for both of my kids if they're struggling through something. Um, but in terms of like big world changes, I would love to see, oh man, there's so many things. I would love my daughter to not have to be going to any rallies about reproductive rights or healthcare, you know, yes. just the politicization of that. And for them to look at that and say, well, what's all that about? What were you talking about? For us to be so far past it. (laughs) Yeah. I would love, you know, for her to be like, oh, thank you for marching and for speaking out about that and for all the women who've done it for decades and decades and years. I'm so glad I don't have to do that. I would love, that's probably the biggest one for her to know that she's the one that gets to make the decisions about her life and her body. Yes. and who she wants to be with and, and all of that. That's, that's when a we huge did that. When we did that, we're doing that for them. That's yeah. what we're doing it for. Yes, Oh, absolutely. that gives me goosebumps. That's just, <laughs> you know, that's, that, that's our legacy, isn't it? Yeah. I, you know, I, I always say that, you know, we are going through a transition period at the moment and any transition, whether that's from a marriage or a job or whatever it might be, any transition is messy. It always yeah. is but it's what we learn. There can be magic in that messiness as well. Yeah. Um, it's, um, you know, what, what we learn, what we're passing on, what legacy we're leaving for our, you know, I have, I have three boys, but I have three young nieces and, you know, I want them like you to grow up in a world where they look back on what we've been through and say, thank you. Mm. You know, look what you did. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that would be so cool. Quite emotional, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I guess I won't fully know and we won't fully know until we see them grow up and hear those or any sort of statement from them and you just go, okay, that's worth it. But for, yeah. for now, we're in the fight, we're in the journey and yeah, what we'll learn about ourselves along the way as well. I think that's also something I'm trying to stay open to. For sure, for sure. Um, I am um, uh, a friend of mine, Alexis. Actually, Alexis was the one who... Um, uh, who sort of drove forward the campaign and the crowdfunding campaign to get the statue of Lady Nancy Astor, the first woman in Parliament, put up. And one of the things Alexis always says is we are a battalion of sexes, not a battle. So we're I in love this- that. Yeah. yeah. That's and so this- cool. Yeah. We work together. We bring the different energies together. And there are so many amazing, incredible men out there who understand that and they get it. Yeah, it's those men who are standing up and saying, "No, we are we're we're in this together," and yeah. that's the ones that will make the difference. I think so. You know, there there are so many more ways that we can work together than against each other. You know, I think yeah. that it's not a zero sum game. You know, humanity is for all of us, and it should be sh- a shared experience. And yeah. the more that we can do that with each other, rather than uh, I'm going to have that and you're not. Or, or even thinking that way that there's it's it's like a pie it's like it's not a pie it's we're all part of this and we're all here for a reason so 
Exactly. I love that uh, battalion rather than battle. That's cool. Yeah. And also um, a guy I interviewed recently for the podcast, James O'Malley. So he's an adventurer and um, he led an expedition um, up uh, Mount Everest and, you know, set some world records. One of the things he said in one of his quotes from his interview was, you know, there's not one of us getting off this mountain alone. You know, yeah. we've got to help each other. Yep. And it's the, whether it's the mountain or whether it's life, you know, we've got to help each other. Yeah, what, we each have our own Everest and we need that team of people and experts and helping us get up and get down as well. Yeah. So, Whether it's yeah. Everest or the Pacific Ocean, hey? Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. What's your Pacific Ocean to cross? I love that about yes. Sarah's film. Okay, Asha, we're going to move into talking a little bit about pop culture as we move towards wrapping it up. But I want to ask you, what have you read or listened to recently? Yeah, there have been a few. I've been watching a lot of... Um, uh, obviously a lot of TV during the pandemic at night. That's like my way to unwind. Um, one of the series that I, I, I really loved watching recently was, um, well, there have been two, um, I May Destroy You, which was done by this brilliant British oh, actress, Michaela Cole. Yes, I've heard. And I've not watched it, but I've heard. She is amazing. I love everything she does. She's a genius. Um, and it's, it's a really great commentary on... Um, sexual assault is one of the big storylines there and the way that she draws that out and relationships and how, how you frame boundaries between people, I think is really wonderful. Um, she does that in a really profound and progressive way. And the other series that I really enjoyed watching was Mrs. America, um, which I believe just came out recently in the UK about um, starring Kate Blanchett as a woman named Phyllis Schlafly, who was a very, very big, um, conservative activist here in America and she died in 2016 um, but she it, it's such a brilliant series and it goes through the second wave um, the, the second feminist wave here in the U, U, US and talks about people like Gloria Steinem and Shirley Chisholm and politics and culture and feminism and gender equality and that fight uh, which was really big in the in the 70s and 80s and one of the things about Phyllis Schlafly that people should know. First of all, she was not a great person at all. And, you know, she, her whole message was women should be at home, being the homemakers, raising the children. Meanwhile, she, she had six children, but she was not a homemaker. She was a lawyer. She was, an, um, she was a specialist in like nuclear, what was it, like nuclear weapons and politics and all this stuff. So it's just really ironic to see what she was doing. But one of the biggest things that she um, managed to achieve during her lifetime was the defeat of the Equal Rights um, Amendment. So right now, the US Constitution does not have an Equal Rights Amendment ratified, which means that there are so many ways that women can be discriminated on or people can be discriminated on on the basis of sex. Um, and it was about to be ratified, this amendment, in the 70s, and the feminists were gaining steam but then it got defeated because this conservative activist rallied a whole bunch of housewives into thinking that, oh, they're going to make us go to war. They're going to force all these women to have abortions and yada, all this kind of fear mongering, all this stuff that never eventuated. Oh, uh, women were never drafted into war the way that she said it would, all this stuff. But anyway, since her death, um, there has been a renewed campaign to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. So what has to happen is all two thirds of the 50 states have to ratify it. 
then it can go to Congress and Congress, Congress already ratified it, but they didn't get the required 38 states to ratify it. Well, this renewed campaign has now able to get 38 states. They managed to get three states over the last few years. So now it's been ratified by enough states. Now they have to figure out a way to get it to Congress again because the, it, the time limit expired, which was back in the 80s or 70s. But the show inspired me because it just showed that sometimes history and progress is not linear. You know, it takes time and there are women who leave these legacies, some not so great and some really wonderful and they don't see their achievements in their lifetime. Some of these feminists have since died. They never got to see that dream realized, but it just really inspired me to know that, you know, the groundwork that you're putting in today, you just don't know what could happen in the future. Yeah, but it's a really sure. great commentary and a look back at politics, especially because here in the US, we're about to go into a very big and contentious presidential election and so much yeah. is on the line. Um, so it's a really great show. I, I would encourage people to watch it and just get a sense of even a glimpse of some of those, you know, that feminist history and politics of, of America. Absolutely. Plus, Blanchett and all the actresses are brilliant. I mean, yes. and the costumes are great. It's just a really great show, so I would, I would encourage people to watch oh, it. Oh, perfect. Well, I'll definitely put the links below. I know I've, I yeah. have heard about it and that I may destroy you. Yes. Okay, we'll look towards wrapping up now. If you knew for absolute certain that you had one opportunity for a social media post to reach every single account throughout the globe, what would your message be? That surprisingly is an easy one. Oh. <laughs> I, have, I have this um, saying at the bottom of my email signature, what would you attempt to do if you weren't afraid to fail? Perfect. And I would love to just hear everyone's responses. And every now and then, because it's at the bottom of my email, not everyone responds to it, but every now and then some people, and it's, sometimes they're business people too, that you know, I'm writing a business email to, and they'll write back, oh, and PS, and in answer to your question, I would do, Da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And so I love hearing people's answers to that because it makes me realize wh what is it that's holding us back and wh what are we afraid of, um, of doing? So I would ask everyone that on social media. What are you afraid well, to that's do? Great. I'm, I'm taking that one from you and adding it to my email. Please now. do. It's not, it's not my, I didn't come up with it. I don't know <laughs> who said it, but I've seen it around the place and I thought I love that because I yeah. wanted it to remind me what would I attempt to do if I wasn't afraid to fail? If money wasn't an object, if barriers, this, that, and the other, what would you do? Well, that's what I'm going to ask you. What would you do? <laughs> I, so, <laughs> I would, well, the most immediate thing, which is very specific, is I, I'm trying to sell a documentary series about reproductive rights, looking at uh, reproductive health care and abortion laws across the globe and seeing how they impact everyday women and I, I've been changing and tweaking the, the treatment of the series along the way and I've been pitching it to different people. Um, I've tried to pitch it to production companies in the UK as well, but that's, that's my big thing that I wanna, that's, I guess that's my big thing that I, I wanna do. And you, you wanna know, make the documentary. And, yeah, and I want it to be a series and I guess I would like it to be a launch pad for me as an on-camera host to brand myself as someone who cares about women's issues and women's stories and starting with that issue and then have it branch out into a number of different ways of talking about women's lives um, across yeah. the globe. So that's, that's my big 
that's my third baby, I guess, that I, I want to put out into the world. And if I, and which I'm still trying to do, but I get held back every time I, I get a rejection or a no, or a, this isn't right for us at this point from a production company or a network. But uh, I'm going to keep going and, and hope, hope that I get where I want to go in the end. Don't ever forget that every rejection is putting you closer in the direction of the right place. Yeah, I hope so. I think absolutely, 100%. I have no doubt whatsoever that you'll achieve what, what you're setting out to do with, without a doubt. But I think that's something that we can all learn from is the rejection thing. We have to be rejected. You know, life doesn't come without rejection. And I yeah. think the sooner that we can learn to deal with that rejection and take what good we can from it, um, you know, there's no point in taking a rejection and sitting in the corner crying. But if we right. can take that rejection and almost as a thank you, because, okay, now what do I need to do to improve? Yeah. What's the yes. next step? And it just gets, every rejection is a, gets you closer to where you want to get. Yeah. I believe that. I'm going to take that and, and run with it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, look, Asha, I'm going to put all of the links to your book and your work below. Um, and I know that we're going to discuss some, some more opportunities um, after we finish recording here. Yeah. But I want, to, I want to thank you so much for your time. I think what you're doing is absolutely just fantastic. And you are adding so, so much value to the world so and to women um you know keep doing what you're doing thank you so much tracy i really appreciate it and i love the platform that you've created to have people like me share my story so thank you you're welcome you're welcome anytime asha it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you thank you so so much for your time for more on asha's work and to pick up a copy of her book just go ahead and follow the links below and that's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with the new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll come back next Friday for more. And in the meantime, please stay safe, look out for each other, and most importantly, be kind. Be kind.